Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Sabbath service here coming from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. And as always, I just want to express my gratitude and your faithfulness coming here and joining us every single week. We really, really and deeply appreciate your commitment and your love for us. And as always, as you can see, we're moving week by week and month by month very quickly. We're almost in the middle of this month. We call it November. And no matter what's happening in the politics and in our lives, we can't stop the time. And we're just 132 days, 132 days away before the Passover. So I know there is an election, there is all things, there is a coronavirus, the lockdowns all over the place, all over the globe. We are affected to some degrees, but what a blessed day it is to be at this day, at Sabbath day, at rest with God, at rest with ourselves, and at rest with the body of Christ. What a blessing it is. Just at least one day during the week, just to forget about what's happening everywhere. And just put our minds, our thoughts, and our attention on God, who He is, and what He's doing. And just let's stay assured He's always in control. At this moment, we'll have an opening prayer. And please join us, bow your heads, for the opening prayer, as we will ask Pastor Murray to do the opening prayer. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Good to be together. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, you, Jesus Christ, There at his right hand, we are so humbled and grateful to both of you for knowing who we are, for reaching down and selecting each one of us here, revealing your truth to us. We're grateful to you for your covenant. We're grateful to you for your word, for your law, and for your love. We gather here before you now again in through the uh, blessing of technology. We ask you here this afternoon to watch over this technology, keep it working for us, and we ask for a special blessing upon our brother, Pastor Adrian, who will be giving the message this afternoon. We are so grateful for all the the many voices that speak your truth, that guide and warn and direct your people, especially during these times. We're grateful for the messages that come through you, and we once again appeal to you this afternoon to speak to us, to give us words that we need to hear, to uh, encourage us, to exhort us, to um, guide us towards being better servants of yours, guide us towards overcoming and repentance and perseverance and patience and endurance and all the things we need to do as potential first fruits to ensure that we stay the course. We are grateful to you for all that you have done and all that you will continue to do. We're grateful to you, Jesus Christ, for your sacrifice. And we praise you. We praise you. Words words fail when we really uh, try to grasp uh, how infinite and how powerful and how glorious you are. But we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again on your holy Sabbath day. We thank you for this holy time that we have, we now understand and, and we ask you to speak to us today. Give us hearts to hear what has to be said. And we just are so very grateful for this. We look forward to your return, uh, Messiah. And we 
just ask you to give us the character to persevere until that time. We thank you. We put the rest of the service in your hands with gratitude and humility. We ask you to accept our prayers, and we do so in Jesus Christ's most holy and righteous and perfect name. Amen. Amen, Pastor Murray. Now, at this time, we'll have an opening hymn, and right after the opening hymn, we'll go to a scripture reading. So, in the time, just if you have a Bible handy, you can open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. But before we go there, we'll have an opening hymn, and, it's only, and the opening hymn is on the page 90. You have the old, old hymnal. If you don't have the words, it's okay. The words will be projected on the screen as always. And the first hymn is entitled, Tell Me the old, old story, after which we'll have the, the Bible reading from Matthew 13, 1 through 9.
Now the scripture reading, Matthew 13, verses 1 to 9. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes gathered together unto him, so that he went unto a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth and sowed. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Thank you, Brother Landon. At this time, we'll just go to some of the announcements, and I don't have many, just a few. And as always, we always stressed out, please remember the Bible study every Wednesday night at 7.30 Easter time. And thank you again for being faithful and being loyal as you join us regularly on this time of the week, in the middle of the week. And to all of you who follow us regularly, Pastor Agent will continue in study into the letter of Paul to Colossians, and this time we'll cover chapter 2. And I recommend it. I very highly recommend it because I was so much blessed studying the letter of Ephesians and now going into the Colossians. It's just so much knowledge over there, so much fact by the Apostle Paul, who was assigned by God to preach to the Gentile, to explain to them the gospel and the exceeding great power that God has for all of us. And also, please join us next week at the same time at 2.30 for the Sabbath service next week at the same time, 2.30 Eastern time for another Sabbath service here coming from Burlington. And now at this time, we'll go to another hymn. But before we go to another hymn, right after the hymn, we'll have a sermon for today entitled, I'm Sorry, I Was On Mute. I'm Sorry, I Was On Mute by Pastor Agent Davis. But before we go to the main message, let's have another hymn. Let's continue the theme of telling the story. And this time, this hymn will be taken from page 89. This time, I love to tell the story. This time we, we love, love to tell, to tell the story.
Amen. I love to tell the story. Welcome, brethren, and greetings from overseas. It is amazing that uh, even though we're apart, uh, we can still be together. And uh, just being creative, whatever obstacles are in our way, uh, we find a way uh, to still assemble, to still be together, to still preach the gospel. I think many of you know that I'm in the UK. And uh, i got to say, I'm very, very surprised at uh, UK television. I can remember years ago uh, coming to the UK, and they only had four channels, and then, then they added a fifth. So they had uh, BBC One, Two, Three, and Four, and then they added uh, ITV. And so there were four channels, then there were five. And I remember being amazed at turning on the television at almost any time of day. And there was always something, it, between one of the four channels or later one of the five channels, there was always something intelligent to watch. Now I'm in the UK, and I've been in two weeks of quarantine, and I've come out of quarantine, and now the country is in lockdown, so from quarantine to lockdown, what's that saying, out of the pot and into the fire? Uh, But when I watch the television, it is remarkable, in a negative way. There's nothing on. They have all the channels. They have, what, 500 channels? I don't know how many channels they have. Tons of channels. And basically, you have a choice of Trump bashing, nonstop, 24-7, bashing Donald Trump, uh, COVID-19, non-stop, 24-7, how, how his, you know, everybody's got to be in a state of hysterica, hysteria, hysteria, or uh, fluff, like garbage entertainment, or reality television. There's, there's no intelligent discourse that I can find. And I just, I just I, I think, what's in people's heads? And, and how do we communicate with people who are so brainwashed by mass media? It's quite amazing. Uh, today, brethren, I want to start in 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, pardon my rant. I, I'm just quite amazed. I'm quite astonished at the garbage that is on UK television. This is not the UK that I remember. And uh, it's quite something. But here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's break in at verse 12. As those around us are being increasingly brainwashed and manipulated. I think this verse uh, becomes more and more meaningful. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. It says here that yes. Yeah, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Yes, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. So hopefully we realize as we're heading into this time of prophecy that persecution awaits us. And, and I can see how if people are tuning in and their brains are being programmed by television programming, uh, that we who stand for Christ are going to stand separate and apart from the masses. So he says, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But, on the other hand, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So as we listen to the Apostle Paul's instructions to Timothy regarding the end time, there's an interesting dynamic. On the one hand, we see evil men and seducers, and on the other, those who will live godly in Christ. One is waxing, and the other is waning. So, so we can see these two groups, it looks like one is winning, and one is losing. And the deception is so powerful that those doing the deceiving are themselves being deceived. Those of us who choose to live godly in Christ are being persecuted. So this is the prophetic eye that Paul sees for God's people. 
perilous times. You know, the strange thing about deception is that while it's happening to you, you have no idea. You have no idea that it's happening. You, 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 just, you feel very confident in your position, not realizing that you're being deceived. I would feel very confident in my position, not realizing I'm being deceived. So we have to be constantly praying and working against deception in the end time. And I want to uh, turn to nature. I want to give you three examples of deception in nature. And just look at these examples and realize when Christ is warning us and the apostles are warning us about deception, this is the nature of deception. The first one is a bird called the honey guide. And I, said, I, I, I have a picture here of the honey guide that I can show you. So the first is the honey guide. And this bird deceives another bird called the bee eater. The bee eater, when it's time to uh, lay her eggs and, and incubate the eggs, what the honey guide does is it lays its egg in the same nest as the bee eater. And the honey guide's egg will always hatch first. She, she lays it at a time when it's going to have the advantage and it will come, it'll, it'll hatch first. And it, when it's hatched, it has a beak on it that is extremely sharp. So before the body is even fully formed, the beak is formed. And, and what the beak, what, what the honey guide does with the beak is it then um, takes its beak and it destroys the other eggs. When the mother bird of the bee eater, and I don't know if you can hear the uh, fireworks in the background here, um, the, the media was reporting that they were celebrating the defeat of Donald Trump, and that's not the case. Uh, Guy Fawkes Day, and there's an annual celebration that they have. So hopefully that's not too distracting. But the bee eater then, um, when the other chicks are destroyed by the honey guide's uh, baby, uh, it thinks that the honey guide chick is its own. And so it nurtures and it brings up the honey guide, having no idea that it is actually uh, developing its own enemy. And then that honey guide is going to grow up and look for our other bee eater's nest, and, and this cycle just continues. And so the bee eater is totally deceived and has no idea that it's actually nurturing its own enemy. Another example, and some of you may be familiar with this one, is the uh, cuckoo bird. And let me show you what the cuckoo bird looks like. The cuckoo bird, it has a different art of deception. So like the honey guide, it will lay its egg in the nest of another bird, say a, a um, starling, and it will hatch first. As soon as the cuckoo bird hatches, what it does is it is strong enough to push out the other eggs. So maybe there's four eggs and, and the cuckoo bird. It is strong enough now to push out the other four eggs over the, 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 the nest and down onto the ground and destroy them. And so you'll see this little uh, swallow now, or, or um, starling, that will just nurture the cuckoo bird and feed the cuckoo bird, thinking that the cuckoo bird is its own. Another example of deception is this fish that some of you may or may not be familiar with. It's called a cuttlefish. And this cuttlefish, uh, it's quite powerful and uh, very violent as far as fish go. It's got these eight uh, tentacles on the front. And uh, one of these will grow into the alpha male. And it will grow very, very large. And it will mate with a number of females. 
And this alpha male then will protect all of these females that it's mating with, and it will not allow any other male to mate with its harem, I guess you could say. But the cuttlefish is very clever. So although another cuttlefish cannot directly attack an alpha male, what it does instead is it disguises itself as a female. And then the alpha male lets it into the harem and then protects the harem from any other male. While the alpha cuttlefish is protecting its harem from other fish, the deceiver that it let in is mating, reproducing with all of the harem. And the alpha is actually protecting, is actually sponsoring. It's doing this uh, reproduction under the auspices of the alpha male. The alpha male is totally deceived, has no idea that its its enemy, its rival, is mating with all of its uh, harem. So these are examples in nature of deception. And you can just see how powerful deception is. And from in every one of these examples, the one being deceived has no idea that, it, that what is happening. And I think from nature then we can understand the nature of deception. And when God is warning us against deception in the end time, we have to realize that if we are deceived, we have no idea that we're being deceived. And so the only antidote we have to deception is the truth. The truth. And from this passage here in Second Timothy, we realize we, we have a choice between deception or persecution. There's no in-between. All those, everyone who wants to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. The rest are, are going to go along with the deception. And, and the deception is so powerful that those doing the deceiving are also being deceived. Now, we have a choice then. The, the persecution from, from other scriptures we know, we have to be preaching the gospel. And we're going to be hated by all nations because of this gospel that we preach. Romans 10 shows that although we live in a society that's going to seek to suppress the truth, because a a big part of deception is suppression, to to withhold information, to not show people both sides. If you can see both sides, you can make up your own mind. But if we can suppress one side, you only hear one side. And then it's easy for you not to realize that you're being deceived. So we have a job to do. Despite the persecution, we must proclaim the truth. In Romans 10, and we'll break in at verse 12, the Apostle writes to the Romans, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. This is profound information. This is profound knowledge that must be proclaimed. That the Gentiles have been grafted into the covenant. And now there's no difference. This is is a significant part of this gospel message that there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. He's rich unto all that call upon him. And then listen to verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there has to be a way of the name of the Lord being proclaimed. Even though in Matthew 24 Christ tells us that we shall be hated of all nations for his name's sake. So if somebody understands the name of the Lord, somebody is preaching the name of the Lord, those that hear it can call on the name of the Lord so that they can be saved.
But then in verse 14, he asks the question, How then shall they call upon him? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So if they haven't believed in him, how are they going to call upon him? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? So if they haven't heard, how can they believe in him? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So in the end time, there must be a preacher. Despite the efforts to suppress this truth, the truth must get out so that those who are being called have the opportunity to call upon his name. So there has to be a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? So, so God is sending laborers into the harvest. And the, the job of the laborers is to preach. He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them, plural, that preach the gospel of peace. So Christ came, and Isaiah says, how beautiful are the feet of him that preaches the gospel. But now Paul, in seeing the burden that lays upon the church, says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things, despite the destruction, despite the negative news, despite the downward spiral of the world we live in. Somebody has good news. Somebody's able to preach peace in a time of great violence and war. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. So the gospel goes out, but they haven't all obeyed the gospel. The fact that they have not obeyed the gospel is not that they didn't have the information. It's not that the information was not available to them, because the gospel goes out. There, there are people courageous enough to preach God's name despite opposition, despite evil men waxing worse and worse and trying to suppress the truth. There are men and women, brethren, who are faithful and preach the gospel. Now, despite preaching the gospel to Jew and Gentile alike, Paul writes in Romans, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So Isaiah had the truth, and he was preaching it, but they wouldn't listen. So then, faith comes by hearing. So he says, who has believed our report? So Isaiah preached, and Paul realizes there has to be a preacher in order for faith to come. If, if all people are subjected to is nonsense television, and, and, and superficial programming and non-stop hate, 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 hate and they're just filled with hatred and rage how can they be saved? unless there's a counter message unless there's a gospel a, a, a proclamation of good news then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God somebody must have the word of God but I say, he says have they not heard? yes, verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. That's us, brethren. They cannot say they did not hear. The scripture says, yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth. This gospel, Christ says, shall be preached in all the world. And then the end shall come. And no one will have an excuse. Despite all the efforts to try to suppress this truth, it gets out. Verily, truly, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. If you just hold your place here, and let's look at what Christ says in Matthew 24, a very familiar scripture, Matthew 24 and verse 9, he says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. So these are the time of sorrows, and this is what lays ahead for the church. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. So there comes a point 
in the eschatology that we're following when we the faithful of God need to begin begin preparing for martyrdom and to have a joy in this preparation to have a joy in understanding what it is we are a part of and what it is we get to proclaim and the reward that Christ is coming with to give to those who are faithful in proclaiming this truth in a time of great deception and violence he says at this time shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake and yet his name goes through all the earth and in verse 14 despite this hatred he says in verse 14 this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations we're not trying to convert everybody but everybody's going to hear it despite the mass media programming despite the censorship despite the oppression and suppression this gospel cannot be stopped we have supernatural help in getting it out as a witness unto all nations the name of God and the purpose of God and then shall the end come back to Romans 10 Romans 10 and verse 19 he says but I say didn't Israel know so so we're looking at this tragedy of Israel not believing despite the fact that the gospel was preached to them but I say didn't Israel know first Moses says I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people by a foolish nation will I anger you and when you look in the Torah when when Moses is saying this it's a nation that's going to come to destroy God's people to oppress God's people but now when Paul is quoting it it's this understanding of the Gentiles coming into the truth and the Gentiles having such a grasp of the Torah and the covenant and the gospel that we are going to preach this to Israel to Judah and we are going to provoke them to jealousy because of our grasp of their scriptures so Moses says I'll provoke you with a people that are not not a people so God has a purpose God is in a covenant and he has a purpose with his people and he's going to raise up Gentiles to preach to his people but Isaiah is very bold he says in verse 20 Isaiah is very bold and says I was found of them that sought me not I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me so despite the covenant with Israel Isaiah is very bold to say there's going to be a people not Israel that become Israel that they were not seeking God but God brought them in to provoke Israel but to Israel he says all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people and they will not be able to say otherwise they will not be able to say otherwise because even through us now God is stretching out his hand to Israel and Judah I say then in verse 11 uh, verse 1 of chapter 11 I say then so when we look at this dynamic of the stubbornness of Israel and Judah and God bringing in Gentiles to bring this truth of the covenant promises to Israel and Judah and we see their stubbornness I say then has God cast away his people God forbid God forbid that, that to say such a thing is blasphemy to say that God has cast away his people is to call God a liar now I think most of us in this time of uh, lockdown we've had this experience of being on a conference call and we're talking away and everybody who wants to hear us is telling us uh, Slew, we, we can't hear you uh, you're on mute you're on mute you know sometimes we put ourselves on mute but sometimes the host will put us on mute either way brethren we're entering into a time when we must not allow 
our voices to be censored. The stakes are far too high. So in the time that we have together, I want us to get crystal clear on our need to stay off mute, to hold on to the root, to bear fruit by proclaiming truth. <laughs> did you see what I did there, the poetry? You've got to stay off mute, have bare fruit by sticking to the root and claiming truth. Now, the disciples were very troubled by the passage that Brother Landon read as we opened up. He read up to verse 9. Let's go back over it. Uh, Matthew 13. This is a passage that uh, Christ taught his disciples and they were puzzled by it. And it enabled Christ to give through them to us a very profound teaching. So Matthew 13 and let's look at verse 1 where Brother Landon was. We'll just look at verses 1 to 3 here. He says Matthew 13 and verse 1 The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. Okay, So we can picture him sitting by the seaside. And then verse 2 and read it with me great multitudes were gathered together unto him. Great multitudes. Try to picture it. Christ is on the seashore and then there are these great multitudes that are gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship and sat. He separated himself from them. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. They are eager to hear from him. And just picture this massive crowd of Jews that are really intrigued by this rabbi and they're following him to be taught by him. And, and so much, they're crowding him that he separates himself and he goes into a ship. And they're standing on the seashore. And he spoke many things unto them in parables. This, this is fascinating. And this is, this is the thing that troubled his disciples. It's almost like a hostile act. He's talking to them. They, they, they're coming to be taught. They're all gathered there. A massive uh, crowd. And they're all coming to be taught by him. And it's almost like a hostile act. There they are, hungering to be taught, and he talks in mysteries. He talks in puzzles and parables so that they can't understand a thing that he's saying. And then you, you read the particular parable that, that caused the disciples to have to ask Christ, what is going on here? This is the parable that our brother Landon read. And so if we now, he read up to verse 9, if we continue in verse 10, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak unto them in parables? We're Jews. You're a Jew. They're Jews. You're a rabbi. You teach us. Why won't you teach them? And so now Christ is going to decipher, decipher this parable for them. And in, and in deciphering the parable, he's going to identify four groups. Four groups. And what we're going to do is we're going to structure our exploration here around these four groups. There's going to be basically one category of, of people who have no idea and then three groups of people who have an idea and yet they fall into three different groups. Let's look at the first one that has no idea. Matthew 13 and verse 11. He answered and said unto them, this is why I'm doing this, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's not given. So it is a hostile act. This is not for them. It's for you. For whoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, i.e. all of these crowds, from him shall be taken away, 
even what he has. So Christ is setting them up for failure. There they are gathered on the seashore, a great crowd, a massive crowd. And he's saying, you know, what they have is going to be taken away from them. But for you, it's given to you to know the mysteries. So there's two categories. Those who have no idea, and then those who understand. Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, which says, By hearing you shall hear, but shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, but you won't perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. The evil men will wax worse and worse, including God's own people. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. They have closed their eyes, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. God forbid that he would heal them. There's something going on here where they are not allowed to have access to the truth, according to the prophecy laid down by Isaiah. But blessed are your eyes. And by extension, brethren, he's talking to us. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So, so we see two groups. The massive multitude cut off and then the disciples who do understand blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for truly I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and haven't seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them what a, what a blessing to know the things that we know many prophets and righteous men would long to know these things and then in verse 18 he says, Hear you therefore the parable of the soul. So here now we're going to see these four groups. And we need to be instructed. And this was very precious knowledge. And, and, and this occasion of these massive crowds not having access to the truth is what occasioned Christ to give us this teaching. So group one, they hear, but they don't understand. So think of that massive crowd. They would all be in group one. Matthew 13 and verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. And again, you look at our society today, brethren, and you just see the massive brainwashing and, and programming and, and just nonsense that people are exposed to. That even if they hear the truth, if they trip over this truth, they just don't understand it. And so Christ is telling us that the moment they hear it, the sa Satan comes along and the demons come along to make sure that it doesn't land. He just takes it away. As soon as they hear it, it's taken away. These are those who are cursed with blindness. So, so God is saying they have to continue in their path until the great tribulation. And hopefully they wake up then. But they have to go into the tribulation. They have to go into this suffering, being blind and being cut off from the truth. So group one, they hear, but they have no idea. That leads us to group two. They hear, but they have no root. They hear, but their understanding is very superficial. So now, so, so again, we said there's two groups. There's the multitude that have no idea. And then there are the, the disciples, his disciples, that do understand. But among the disciples that understand, there's now going to be three categories. The first one is here in verse 20. 
But he that received the seed, meaning he's a disciple, he's received the seed. But he received it into stony places. The same is he that hears the word and immediately, with joy, he receives it. It's a beautiful message that we have, brethren. When we preach this gospel, when, when we tend, tell people to turn in your Bibles and we show them what's in the Bible that they've never seen before, it's so beautiful that they receive it immediately with joy. But they do not understand the implications. They do not understand the ramifications. They do not understand the consequences and the, the obligations of receiving this truth. So when they just hear the message, they receive it immediately with joy. Yet, he doesn't have root in himself. But he endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. So, so he, he receives the word with joy. It's a beautiful message. But when tribulation... What did the scripture we opened up with say? It said that all those who desire to live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. So that means, brethren, that we are going to have among us brethren who come in who love this message. This is an incredible message. They understand the Bible for the first time, but the depth isn't there. And when persecution arises because of the word, that do you believe this stuff? Do you really do you agree with these guys? And they did not realize that holding on to that the world will be changing in such a way where we're seeing America collapse. We're seeing America fall into Marxism. And this is the prize. The globalists want America, the most powerful nation the world has ever seen. They must bring it down. And they must bring her to heel. And right now, according to them, America is the most dangerous country in the world. Dangerous to them. Because they want global control. And America is in the way. So once America collapses, once America... And who would ever believe in a million years that America could become socialist? But it is. And once and people don't understand how much Marxists hate Christianity, they have no idea. Their support, brethren are supporting this, these sort of movements, and they have no idea the vile hatred that Marxists have for Christ. And and they're gonna we're gonna be confronted. Do you really believe this stuff? Are you with these guys? And it's because of the word that we will be hated by all nations because of His name. And so we will be preaching this word. And now persecution comes because, and they were not expecting this. And this is a very good translation. By and by, he is offended. So he receives the joy immediately, the joy of the word immediately, but gradually he becomes offended. And the uh, Greek word here is uh, skandalitsitai. The, the, the word is skandalitso, but it's in a tense, skandalitsitai, which is third person singular, each person, present, it's happening now, middle indicative. And that is very important, brethren, that it's in the middle voice. In the Greek, we don't have this in, in English, but in the Greek there's this tense, this, this middle voice, that what the middle voice means in Greek is the subject participates in the action. So what Christ is saying is, by and by, he brings himself to fall. So skandalizo means to, to fall, to uh, to be offended, to uh, to commit, to, to cause to commit sin, to uh, to stumble, uh, basically to, to to be shocked, and to be uh, just be pain, to to have great pain 
um, over what is happening to, to, to basically to fall away to, to apostatize but skanzalitzatai Christ is indicating to, to his disciples and to us that the one who does not have root causes himself to fall now this is not the only place that Christ speaks of skanzalitza we're, we're, I think we're familiar with Matthew 24 if we go to Matthew 24 in verse 8 he says all these things are the beginning of sorrow so this is the time that we shall be entering into where he says this is the beginning of sorrows we need to be ready and we understand this is just the beginning then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and we read this and kill you and you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake but look at verse 10 and at this time shall many be scandalizo this time it's plural it's future but it's passive indicative it's not middle so it's in Matthew 13 that he shows us that the subject themselves are the ones that are bringing their own downfall but here he doesn't identify who's doing it just says that they will the passive voice just says it happens but we don't know who caused it so at this time many many will be offended scandalizo and when this happens they'll be so outraged by by um, the, the accusations and the persecution because of the word that they shall betray one another and shall hate one another and both betray and hate are in the active voice they are actively doing this we know who's doing it they're doing it betraying and hating and many false prophets shall arise here's the deception and shall deceive again the active voice they're actively deceiving and these brethren are falling for it and because iniquity shall abound passive voice we don't know why who's doing this but because it abounds the love of many shall wax cold again passive voice we don't know who caused it but Matthew 13 we show that it shows the subject themselves are involved in this but he that shall endure this is an active voice we have to endure unto the end the same shall be saved so this is this, it's all about endurance but the one who received the word superficially the joy of the Lord was there but they didn't understand the implications of what they were getting involved in Scandalizo is also taught by Christ in John 16 John 16 and verse 1 he says these things I've spoken unto you that you should not be scandalizo and this time again the passive voice he's not saying who's causing us to be scandalizo again we have to go to Matthew 13 for that but it's in the subjunctive voice meaning it's potential it's not absolutely going to happen necessarily to them but it could happen there's the potential for it to happen so he, he sees these things I've spoken unto you that you should not be offended that ideally you're in a state where you're, you don't fall into scandal itself so this is the thing that many brethren do not like difficult messages they want the, the, the smooth things this is the one that receives it with joy but has no root the one that has root will receive the whole word, word of God and Christ is saying I'm telling you these difficult things so that when the time comes you won't be among the many that are scandalizo but he says it in the subjunctive voice meaning it's, it's hopeful I hope you won't be among the many that will be that will fall into scandalizo so he goes on to talk about the difficult times they're going to put you out of their assemblies and, and they're going to think that when they kill you they're doing God's service remember in Matthew 24 he says that brother will betray brother not just that brother will kill brother so these assemblies are our own people we're involved in the assemblies 
but they're going to turn and kill us. And for many, this is going to be too much. But because Christ tells us ahead of time, we can digest it, we can play it out in our mind's eye, we can understand what we're a part of, and when it happens, we will not be scandalized. These things, verse 3, will they do unto you, because they haven't known the Father nor me. They will not receive the gospel. We're preaching the gospel, they won't, they won't accept it. And because they're deceived, they then end up killing God's people, thinking that they're doing God's service. But these things I've told you, that when the time shall come... So you don't want difficult messages, brethren? You don't want to hear the word of God? You don't want reality? You want reality TV instead of reality, reality scripture? Brethren, God says, these things I've told you, I'm telling you these difficult things so that you can rehearse them, so that you can digest them, so that you can be rooted and grounded and established, that when the time shall come, and many shall betray, and many shall hate, and many shall be scandalizo, that for you who digested these things and rehearsed these things and were expecting these things, I, these things I've told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. That it's not that, it's not that um, these things happen and it's so shocking and horrendous and we're like, how, how, how on earth could this happen? It's like, no, this is happening exactly as God said. So it's horrible, but it's exactly what God said. Therefore, whatever else God said is also true and is also going to happen. And there's this great glory on the other side of the persecution. So therefore, if the persecution is happening, as God said, then the glory will also come to pass, as God said. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now he's not with us, but the Holy Spirit is with us. So we can fully digest the truth of God's word. So, group one, they, they heard, but they didn't understand. Group two heard and understood, but only at the superficial layer. They didn't understand what was underneath. And so, they had no root. This is falling in the stony places. Now, let's look at group three. Group three is a very fascinating group. Why? Because group three has root and has fruit, but the fruit doesn't last. And the reason we know they have root is because they have fruit. You can't bear fruit without root. So there is fruit, therefore there must be root, but the fruit doesn't last. So what's going on here? So, so they have a level of understanding, but it's still not deep enough. So let's go back to Matthew 13 and continue in verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. It's not that he's unfruitful. It's that he becomes unfruitful. And you know, whenever I would read this passage and I would read the care of this world, that's pretty straightforward. We're caught up with the cares of this world, especially. Uh, you can see that now, brethren, as we see globally all these governments, all these world governments as they come together and they meet together and the most powerful men in the world meet together and they come up with these agendas. Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, World Economic Forum, uh, World Health Organization, the UN, all of these uh, global meetings where all these governments come together and they all agree on the direction that they should lead their countries. They all agree. So th there is agreement on what they're doing. 
and how they're going how they're going to this this great reset that uh, you can do your research on that but how they're going to bankrupt the nations in order to transfer the wealth to the elite and and remove the middle class and that's why America has to be destroyed America has always been a thorn in the side of the communists always they must destroy America and then with it the rest of the western world so the care of this world, we, we have to just let go of this world, brethren. Don't hold on to it. Because that's going to be a bargaining chip that the devil will use to, to, to manipulate us. Let it go. It is what it is. God will look after us. But I will always read this, the deceitfulness of riches. And, and instead of reading the deceitfulness of riches, what I would read, although I'm reading the, deceitful of, the, the deceitfulness of riches, what my brain would receive is riches. The care of this world and riches. But the scripture doesn't say riches. It says the deceitfulness of riches. So when I used to read it previously, I would always think of rich people. Rich people would fall into this trap. Now when I read it, based on what's happening around us, this equally applies to poor people. Poor people can fall victim to the deceitfulness of riches. You see the power of Marxism and the appeal of Marxism and how people buy into Marxism and, and covetousness covetousness is the deceitfulness of riches and so poor people who don't have anything and become resentful of those who do have something and they want it for themselves and then they fall into these Marxist movements this is the deceitfulness of riches and when you're being deceived you don't realize you're being deceived so it, it's, it's people are actively presenting a case to you not realizing or you're not realizing that you're being deceived and this is what chokes the word and notice the scripture says he becomes unfruitful this is very very important and what it means is this is this is a brother this is a sister that actually was fruitful when you when you come to services you you fellowship together uh, you're, you're, you're speaking with these brethren and you you realize wow they're fruitful they, they, they have fruit they're, they're, they're actually working together with, with us and bearing fruit but they become unfruitful. And, and, and the Greek word there is genomai. It means something is brought into existence. It, it wasn't there before, but it comes into existence. It means the state of unfruitfulness came into existence. So what this shows us, brethren, is the danger of fellowshipping with the wrong company. Getting caught up in movements, going marching with, with certain movements, and not realizing we should have no assembly with these people. But we're getting caught up. We're not with the, the, the brethren. We're not fellowshipping with the body of Christ, reinforcing the truth with each other. We're beginning to get caught up with socialist movements. And we become unfruitful. John 15, in terms of this fruit, what is this fruitfulness that God is looking for from us? John 15, in verse 1, he says, I'm the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. This is frightening, brethren. That the brother or the sister who allows themselves through the deceitfulness of riches and the care of this world to get caught up with people who don't have the right perspective, who feed into their minds deception, 
that they become unfruitful. You, you see that they stop participating. Brethren who, one feast you see them participating, the next feast they pull back, and they're not doing anything. And they become unfruitful. Well, Christ is saying, my father's the husbandman. He's watching. And every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. And so you're going to see brethren, they do it to themselves. Scandalitzatai. It's in the middle voice. They participate in their own undoing. And so God is taking them away, but they're participating in it. But every branch that does bear fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So we never want to be in this state of unfruitfulness. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He says, abide in me and I in you. Well, how do we do that, brethren? How do we abide in Christ? Well, we abide in his body. Don't, don't be um, assembling, fellowshipping with people who have no clue the truth of God. Let's make sure that we're with people who are in the body of Christ. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That's the key. We can't do this by ourselves except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. So we, we need to be immersing ourselves in God's word. We need to be immersing ourselves in prayer. We need to be immersing ourselves in, in fasting and study and fellowship. This is how we abide in him. And by abiding in him, we become fruitful. We can't do this by ourselves. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. This, so here's the opposite of the one that didn't understand. He wasn't abiding. By abiding, by dwelling in Christ, by immersing ourselves in his word, in prayer, in fellowship, in fasting, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And especially when the scripture tells us that all those who desire to live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Well, without Christ, we're going to run for the hills. With Christ, we don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of power and a sound, a sound mind. So, so we have to make sure we're not caught up with the spiritually dead. Uh, Malachi 3.16 comes to mind. When those that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and he heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For them that feared the Lord. And that thought upon his name. So this has to be us in the end time, brethren. In order for us to be fruitful. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me. And, and, and this is the danger, brethren. We see brethren getting caught up in these movements. This is not abiding in Christ. And so it's just a matter of time. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men, get, men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Christ says, many will fall into scandalitza. Many, not a few. Many will be offended and become unfruitful. And, and God is telling us here, men gather them up and cast them into the fire. And Christ says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So again, there's that study and the prayer, but there's also the fellowship. Iron sharpens iron. So through this fellowship, we, we enable God's word to abide in us. He says, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. 
And think of this fruit, brethren, of preaching the gospel, carrying the gospel, and converting those that would not hear the, 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 the truth. But faith comes by hearing. And that is our fruit. In Daniel 12, and verse 3, he says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. This is our job, brethren, to turn many to righteousness. So that was a very strange group because they had root and they had fruit, but it didn't last. They became unfruitful. Now we come to group four. And this is the group that we really need to concern ourselves with. They have root, they bear fruit, and they are never on mute. Not deliberately. They proclaim this message. And that's how we bear fruit. Verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word. So that's what they all, they all have in common. They all hear the word. That, 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 that's one thing the whole multitude has in common. But there's those, those that hear the word and have no idea. There's those that hear the word and it's joyful to them but there's no root. There's those that hear the word, it's joyful to them, and there's a bit of root, and they begin to bear some fruit, but then they get distracted and deceived, and they become unfruitful, and then there's this group. All groups hear the word, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it. And the implication here is deeply. And understands it deeply, to the point where we become immovable. We cannot be moved. He hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit. The root goes so deep that we just keep bearing fruit, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So now it's just a matter of how much fruit do we bring forth. And, and, and that's going to be a function, partly of giftedness. You know, you look at somebody like the Apostle Paul, and the fruit that he had, and clearly he was gifted in a way that others weren't, but it's also work ethic. You, you look at the Apostle Paul and his work ethic, and he says, I labored more than them all. So there's, a, there's how much do we work? And, 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 and Christ just keeps encouraging us to work, and they, the, the Apostles will encourage us to work. Ephesians 3, in terms of understanding the depth of, 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 of understanding, that keeps us rooted and immovable. Uh, our brother Jan mentioned Ephesians. Ephesians 3 and the study we did on Ephesians. Here we'll break in at verse 2. Paul says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has been given to me, to you word. So Paul was gifted on behalf of the Gentiles, the, the brethren there. If you've heard of this grace, and what is it? how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. This is information that is not readily available. Paul received it directly from the Lord by revelation. And it's a mystery. As I wrote before in few words, whereby, when I wrote you these words, when you read them, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. This is deep. <laughs> this is really deep, brethren. This is really deep. And Paul is hoping that the way that he wrote them, when they read of his words, that they would realize, wow, this is deep. 
and they would go deeper and their knowledge would not be superficial that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord so he's hoping they'll understand his knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men it was not it was hidden as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit what is this mystery that the gentiles should be fellow heirs fellow that what uh, israel is scheduled to inherit that the gentiles are in a sense written in grafted in and we are going to receive we're going to receive this inheritance as well this is the mystery that that jew and gentile receive the inheritance together this was hidden that the gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel by this good news that when they hear it they believe and they're grafted in and they become workmen and they become part of the process of teaching this to others and provoking the Jews to repentance in Colossians 1 and we see this uh, as we study Colossians we're seeing this integration and it's going to be very helpful to us especially this week uh, this week for me next week for you um, Wednesday when we study Colossians 2 it's going to be very helpful when we can turn to Ephesians and say okay what was he saying over there because he can't be saying something totally different over here but here we see this integration between Colossians and Ephesians verse 25 of chapter 1 he says whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you just what we read in Ephesians to fulfill the word of God even what is this this gift this, this dispensation of grace even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles there is a riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles and what is it? which is Christ in you you Gentiles Christ in you the hope of glory that with Christ in us there's a glory that's coming and, and we should be overwhelmed by our participation in this great mystery of God unfortunately brethren that's not the case it wasn't the, it's not the case now it wasn't the case in Paul's day that yes many of us are overwhelmed we're blown away we just cannot believe what, what is God doing why us how did this happen but we, we are joyful and we're, 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 we have to participate in this and we have to do what he commands us to do but as much as this is a glorious thing this mystery of the ages that Gentiles should be included in this inheritance in Paul's day not many people uh, not, not everybody was happy with this look at 2 Timothy 4 2 Timothy 4 so when this seed falls on different types of ground what we have to realize part of this brethren when it falls on different types of ground what it means is unfortunately many who we counted as brethren will turn against us this is unfortunate in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 14 Paul calls out by name Alexander the coppersmith and just by his name it indicates to me that he's a Greek and a Gentile who should be joyful that he's included in this mystery but Paul calls him out by name Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil so this is a kind of a preview 
of the future when many shall shall uh, betray and hate Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil and then what does Paul say the Lord reward him according to his works so we want to be rewarded according to our works that's all Paul says may God reward him according to his works of whom be you aware also so if Paul did not call him out by name how would Timothy and others know to beware of him if Paul was just sort of loosey and kind of vague and generic and you know there's people out there who are deceivers and you know there's just general people this guy would be right under our nose and we'd have no idea who he is that he's a deceiver Paul called him out by name and we should not be afraid to call out people whole movements by name so that brethren know stay away from this person stay away from that movement they are evil and they've done me much harm he says of whom you be aware also for he has greatly withstood our words so it's all this this contention around this, this great mystery and this guy who should be grateful he's opposing us and working against our words now listen to Paul so we have to stand for the truth brethren and we have to study the scriptures so that we can have depth of root so that we become immovable and listen to Paul listen to how painful this is he says at my first answer or my apologia my, my apology my, my defense at my first defense no man stood with me I was all alone but all men forsook me you know brethren this is what we have to be prepared for pray God that we have faithful ministers and faithful brethren and faithful men and we're building up this fellowship over time why? because we foresee this we foresee this but if you are in a situation where you're standing for truth and you find yourself alone join the Apostle Paul he says you know what at my first defense Timothy nobody stood with me and all men forsook me I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge so unlike um, Alexander the coppersmith Paul is saying I hope God rewards him according to his works but these other brethren God, he says I pray that God will not that it may not be laid to their charge when Jesus Christ returns it's going to be a very difficult time and Paul sees that and he's praying that their forsaking him and leaving him alone will not be laid to their charge and so you should pray brethren if you're all alone don't be bitter don't be upset understand this is par for the course and then pray for the brethren that they be strengthened notwithstanding so although no man stood with me notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and again there's that there it is again there's deception and there's truth but the truth has to be proclaimed and, and, and we no matter what we face even if we're alone if, even if you as a congregation are alone we have to continue that by us the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear this is, this is the mystery so he understands the mystery perfectly Alexander didn't get it Alexander was opposing it and then unfortunately even faithful brethren didn't fully get it but Paul had to just continue and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and this is the confidence we have to have brethren that God will deliver us if we, if we are evil and we know how to give good things to our children how much more does God know how to give his children good things and so whatever befalls us God is with us and it's a good thing and ultimately there is glory in doing this work and in, and in this path you know all of us are going to die all of us we are mortal it's like a ridiculous thing 
to fear death. It's like the one thing you can be sure of is you're going to die. The one thing I can be sure of is I'm going to die. And then, and then Satan wants us to be afraid of, of the one thing that we can be sure of. We're going to die. Okay, we're going to die. Accept that. How do we die? Can we die in glory? Can we die in honor? Can we die faithful? That we, God finds us doing to the very end those things that he's commanded us to do. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, even from death, will be delivered. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. So look at the confidence he has. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we know, brethren, that perilous times, fierce times are ahead. We, we need to be able to, to be those men that can stand with Paul if he was alive today. And we don't forsake him. And if he's calling out people and organizations by name, we stand with them. Look at 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. And verse 6. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. And so this is part of what we have to do, brethren, is stir it up. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, so you know, people around us, brethren, if they're tuned into mass media, their brain is mush. But God has given us the Holy Spirit and given us a, a mind, a, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So we're heading into a time where the testimony of the Lord will bring shame. We are going to be embarrassed to say we are Christians. It's happening. And believe me, when America goes down, then the Marxists will have their way fully. And the Islamists will have their way fully. And to say we are Christians and we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's going to, it's going to be a shameful thing to say. And, and Paul says to Timothy, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So, so if you proclaim this, you may be imprisoned. And then people may forsake you and be embarrassed to associate with you. But Paul is saying, don't do that. Stand firm. Have root. Stand for the testimony. And those who are imprisoned and are prisoners of the Lord, stand with them. But be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Choose this. Like, hey, Don't run from it. All that desire to live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Choose the persecution. Don't be deceived. Study the word of God. Stay in the truth. And choose persecution. Be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Because if we suffer with him, we shall be glorified with him. According to the power of God. God has a tremendous power. And we studied that in Ephesians 1 and 2. That this power is with us. In fact, in Revelation 12 and verse 11, it shows that we overcome the beast with the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. This testimony. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. And that we love not our lives unto the death. So we're going to die. Fine. We accept that. Now let's die in glory. Verse 15. 2 Timothy 1.15 This you know, that all they, listen to Paul's pain, all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. So he's gone preaching in Asia. They've accepted the gospel, but they have no root. They didn't understand the implications. 
they became ashamed of the testimony of the Lord and they chose comfort rather than affliction and they abandoned Paul and he says all they which are in Asia have turned away from me of whom are again listen he calls them out by name so that people can know uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me This we want to be like Onesiphorus not like the others he often refreshed me and he was not ashamed of my chain so, so if some of us are in prison for this gospel we want to be like Onesiphorus and go and visit and look after and ensure that they're looked after he was not ashamed of my chain but when he was in Rome he sought me out very diligently he really looked out for me and he found me it's not like you know I, we don't know where he is oh well uh, we just we, we used to hear from him a lot but now I guess he's gone on mute we don't hear from him Onesiphorus was like no I've got to find him where is he and through hey, there's no excuses I've got to find him and he found him this is a great example for us to follow there. verse 18 the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day notice he says that he may find mercy because it's not over yet we have to cross the finish line he understands the Apostle Paul understands Christ says we must endure to the end to be saved so, so Paul is saying Onesiphorus has done well so far may he make it to the finish line that's, that's how clear the Apostle Paul is on what is to befall the church between then and the return of Christ may he find mercy of the Lord in that day and people want to take this for granted and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus you know very very well great 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 man great servant of God you therefore my son based on this example of Onesiphorus you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses the same commit you to faithful men this is going to be tough we need faithful men we need men with root not men who are going to be distracted not men who are looking for comfort but men and I think you see the men who are, who are preaching to you and, and, and willing to forsake all that's who we have to commit this to find more like this the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also again you see the importance of knowledge fighting against deception that it's not just oh I feel good about the Lord it's, isn't it nice to love the Lord no you got to know the Lord and to know the Lord you need to be taught and there's a mystery that's very very deep that needs to be unpacked and then shared with those who have ears to hear we have to be diligent in this and, and we need men who have the ability to teach others also you therefore endure hardness buckle up this is, this is a very very difficult time that we're heading into be able to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and, and we really need this now brethren the ability to endure hardness no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life so that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier we just can't get caught up with the affairs of this life and I, and I wanted to just show you this is something that maybe you can do uh, on your own time to look at this but I did want to just show you very quickly if I can see it here yeah let me just uh, change this 
um, I, I don't. This is something that you can just research, brethren. It's it's quite fascinating. I, I don't know if you've heard of the Biderman Report. The Biderman Report. This is in 1956. Again, America used to be very aware of communism and and sensitive to it. So this is the Biderman Report, written in 1956. If you compare it now to what's going on with COVID-19, so these were communist coercive methods for eliciting individual compliance. How do you get people to comply with you? To, to, to forsake all and follow you. So, so there's these different things, and I won't read it through, but isolation, monopolization of perception, induced debility and exhaustion, threats, occasional indulgences. So we'll have you in lockdown, then we'll release it, then we'll put you in lockdown. Demonstrate your omnipotence, degradation. And then the last one really struck me, enforcing trivial demands. These crazy things with these masks that from you, you just have to put it on, take it off, put it on this, you know, stand on one foot, hop on one foot, uh, lift do these crazy things. And this is part of this whole um, system that they have, that the communists have, to, to enforce their their superiority and to just show people who, who's in charge and to, to create this compliance. And this is why, brethren, we just have to let go of material things. Everything is going to be taken away. Everything's going to be taken away. That's the whole point of socialism and Marxism. You know, what did Margaret Thatcher say? The problem with uh, socialism is at some point you run out of other people's money. So, so wh- wh- where's this money going to be created to share? Okay, so capitalism has generated a tremendous amount of wealth. Let's share that. But then if we're not allowing people to be free and creative and entrepreneurial, where will wealth be generated to share? So we just make everybody miserable. So we have to be uh, uh, soldiers and be willing to endure hardness. And he says, And if a man also strive for masteries, he's not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruit. There's the promise, brethren. If we labor, we must be first partaker of the fruits. This is the promise. The glory comes to us first. Consider what I said. And the Lord give you understanding in all things. So, let's understand from the Lord himself what Paul is trying to get across here. What is it that we must understand and teach and proclaim no matter what? Let's go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 17. He says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and synagogues, scourge you in their synagogues. We read that in John 16. And you'll be brought before governors. But it will be for a testimony. It's an opportunity for us. So take no thought of what you'll speak. The Holy Spirit will tell us what to speak. But the brother's going to betray the brother to death. He's telling us this beforehand. So we're not expecting the brother to be there. We understand. And we pray for them. But we have to be ready. So we're going to flee to other cities and just drop down now to verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant his Lord. It's enough for the disciple that his master to be, to be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore. There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that you speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, that you proclaim upon the housetops. So what we have, brethren, cannot be uh, muted. We have to be willing to proclaim it anywhere and everywhere. And don't be afraid of those who all they can do is kill the body, but they're not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. And then he goes on to share with us just how important we are to him 
and how the hairs of our head are numbered. But he says in verse 32 that we must be willing to confess him before men. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. Be willing to confess him before men and then he will also before, confess us before his Father which is in heaven. But if we are ashamed, if we put ourselves on mute, whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny also before my Father which is in heaven. So we have to have this understanding that we understand where this is all going and, and what we're a part of. And uh, just be ready, brethren. Be ready for what's coming. Let's, let's begin to conclude here in Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians 2. We must have depth. Depth of understanding so that we're rooted, grounded, and established. In Second Timothy 2 and verse... Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and given us everlasting consolation, encouragement, and good hope through grace... So through all of this, when we really understand what, what this is all about and the glory that we're a part of, it's great consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. That, that this is, you know, Paul says to the Corinthians, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. We have to understand, brethren, that there's more to this life. That Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead and that, that that's our hope, that's the glory, and we will be first fruits. So let's not fall victim to, to this um, time of great persecution that's ahead of us. We're already seeing brethren slipping. Let's pray for them, let's encourage them, let's exhort them, let's warn them, and, 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 and realize when you're deceived, you have no idea you're deceived. Think of the, the cuckoo bird that the, 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 the uh, starling doesn't realize the cuckoo bird has kicked out your eggs and you're now nurturing a parasite. The, the honey guide, the bee-eater bird doesn't realize that the, the uh, honey guide has um, killed its babies and they're nurturing a parasite. The cuttlefish doesn't realize that it's actually protecting someone who's sleeping or you know, sleeping with its, its harem. And he's actually protecting that and allowing that to happen. Because that's the nature of deception. And I've often been, when I was a young man, I was very, very puzzled by the 1930s and, and how Hitler did what he did. And, and everybody went along with it. But that's the power of silence, brethren. When one German was silent, it put pressure on another German to be silent, which put pressure on another German to be silent. And then they were all silent. But if somebody's courageous and somebody speaks up, it gives courage to somebody else to be courageous and to speak up. So when, when, when there's silence, brethren, it mustn't be because we put ourselves on mute. You know, maybe the host put us on mute. We, maybe we were censored and we didn't realize. Maybe we've been put in prison or maybe we've been put to death and someone else needs to rise up and replace us. But we're not afraid of death. We, we can conclude here in Second, Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course. It's a time of great censorship. And if America is changing the way it looks like it's going to, there's going to be tremendous censorship. So pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. That 
hearing, faith comes by hearing. And if the word of God can have free course, there are others that are going to hear it, particularly those of Israel and Judah. And as it's glorified in you, it will be glorified in them. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Some are like Alexander the coppersmith. So pray, brethren, that we can be delivered from these men so that we can continue to do the Lord's work. For the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. You can be in that fourth category. We can all be, that we grow deep roots. We have very deep understanding that we provoke the Jews with their own scriptures that they don't fully understand, that we can show them this is what this means. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. It's going to be difficult, brethren, but there's confidence that as we are filled with the Spirit and informed by the Word, we will do the things that, that God commands us to do. And the Lord directs your hearts in the love of God into the patient waiting for Christ. So let's have courage, brethren. Paul said at his first defense, no man stood with him. If any of our brethren are in this situation where they, they need to be um, defended and they're silence and they're puzzled that nobody else is speaking up, let our explanation be, oh, I'm sorry, I was on mute. I didn't realize I was on mute. And we proclaim the word of God powerfully and forcefully without any apology so that the truth can go out and deception can be destroyed. God bless you, brethren. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Agent. And what a great message. What a timely message. Deliver in this time of confusion, time of disappointment for so many of, of so many of us, and especially for our American brethren there. The nation is divided almost exactly into half. And no matter what happens, some will be very happy and some will be disappointed on either side. So thank you so much for your hard work and for this timely message. And I hope and pray that all of us will evaluate how well are we doing and into which of the group, into which of the category we belong. And I hope and I pray that I am in the fourth group, and I hope that you will also do some soul-searching through this rest of the Sabbath and through this week just to find out how really committed are you to the Christ cause. So at this moment, brethren, let's just bow our heads, and I'll do the closing prayer today, so just in respect for our Father and for our Lord Jesus Christ, brethren, if you just bow your heads, Great God, what a timely message we just have received today from Pastor Asian. Crazy things are happening all over the place, everywhere around us. And we just can ask, Father, that you give us the courage. You give us your Holy Spirit, that you will help us to be faithful. Just as the scripture says, Father, that no matter what's happening everywhere around us, Father, the just shall live by faith. And help us through this walk, Father. Help us to be in this group of this category that Pastor Agent was preaching, in the fourth group, 
that we not only will have the root, we'll, we'll bear a lot of fruits from, and we also will have the deep, deep understanding of your love, of your grace, of your plan of salvation, of all the purpose, Father. And through this deep, deep understanding, Father, there will be nothing, nothing on this earth that will hold us back. We'll be fully committed, Father, to your cause, preaching the gospel no matter what, and never be ashamed that the testimony of either of Christ, our Lord, or the Apostle Paul, of our faithful ministers. Father, thank you so much for all the blessings, Father. Thank you so much, Father, for all these wonderful gifts that we have in church, and many of us, we just don't utilize this gift that you have given us freely, through the Holy Spirit. Help us to work together as a team, as a group, Father, preaching, preaching this wonderful news to the Gentile and as well as to the Israelites. Help us, Father, so much. And Father, we thank you so much for the Sabbath service. Thank you, Father, that everything ran so smooth. Technology was working and cooperating. Thank you for being us for another week, Father. We praise you, Father. We praise your holy name. And we ask you, Father, that you be always with us, not just through the next week, but always with us. Till that do us apart, Father. We ask you all this thing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And Father, let us conclude here. For the last item here, let's have the hymn, the closing hymn. And as you've been following us, we hopefully you remember the first hymn we sing today was tell me the old old story the second hymn was I love to tell the story and let's 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 conclude on page 106 and the word will be projected on the screen and the last hymn will be we have a story to tell to the nations and indeed we do we do may God bless you all have a blessed week and see you see you here on the same time next next week